0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to episode, we will learn all about angels and how you can cooperate with their ministry to help and serve you. If you are interested in more on this topic, there are links to some angelology resources that I learned this stuff from on this episode's page of PattyEJ.Podbean.com. Jehovah sabot is the leader of the angels he is known by several names including the god of warfare chief of the angel armies the lord of hosts and the lord of the angel armies in the old testament jesus himself shows up pre-incarnate as the angel of the lord so jehovah Sabot is one of Jesus' names there are 273 references for the lord of hosts in the amplified translation Most are in Isaiah with 60 incidences and Zechariah with 46 incidences. When you see the all caps L-O-R-D or Jehovah, we know this is referring to the fullness of all that God is, his isness. Sabot means angel armies. So Jehovah Sabot is a compound name identifying the fullness of God and the role he plays related to the angels. In the first seven chapters of Zechariah, we see the Lord of hosts saving his people from their adversaries and fighting jealously for his people. He protects those who are obedient to his commands and clearly communicates how to stay under his protection by reminding the people of his commands and statutes. There is a justice side to this name as he warns people when they get off track and he calls them to repentance. In the latter chapters of Zechariah, we see the prophetic nature of the Lord of hosts. In chapters 8 through 14, we see him anoint and empower prophets as he shares the end-time prophecies. His goal is always to dispense judgment with love and mercy, consistent with his nature and character. There are 53 verses referencing the angel of the Lord. The incidences show stories of preserving the destiny of God's kingdom plan. The angel of the Lord showed up to encourage Hagar personally that she and her son Ishmael would survive and he would become the father of many nations. Balaam encountered the angel of the Lord when he caused the donkey to see him on the road with a drawn sword to stop him from disobeying God's plan. Moses received the promise and purposes of the future of Israel from the angel of the Lord, speaking to him from a burning bush. And David and Gideon were given direction and angel warrior assistance from battles directed by the angel of the Lord. All angels were created by God to serve him and people. They are spiritual beings that live eternally. We know that they were present when the Lord created the earth, as in Job chapter 38 the Lord asked Job's if he was there when he created the earth and the angels were shouting with joy. Angels do not have omni-abilities. They are not all-powerful. They're not everywhere present like God, for example. They have free will, and we know that two-thirds of them remain faithful to God, while the others rebelled and were cast out of heaven. Let's look for a moment at the types of good angels. There are many types of angels and more heavenly beings than we will address in this episode. The seraphim and cherubim are angels who appear to only be in the throne room of heaven, ministering to God directly. The word seraph means burning ones, and they are considered the highest order of angels. The seraphim are described in detail by John and Isaiah. See Revelation 4. Isaiah 6, 1-7. Says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw in a vision the Lord sitting on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the most holy part of the temple. Above him, seraphim, heavenly beings, stood. Each one had six wings. With two wings he covered his face, with two wings he covered his feet, and with two wings he flew. And one called out to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, and the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of ceremonially unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then when the seraph Flew to me with the burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Listen carefully, this has touched your lips. Your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoing is taken away, and your sin atoned for and forgiven. We learn from these verses that the primary role of the seraphim is to worship the Lord. Additionally, the seraph in this example had the delegated authority to cleanse Isaiah of his sins. This is important because he was standing in the very presence of the Almighty God. This was not necessary for John as his sins were already forgiven by the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is possible that they are considered to be made of fire or shine brightly because of their constant proximity to the glory of God. Now let's talk about the cherubim. I have no idea why many artists have depicted cherubim as chubby winged babies. Their actual appearance is nothing like this. There are 60 verses in the Bible about cherubim, with only one in the New Testament. The top three books referencing them are Ezekiel, Exodus, and 1 Kings, with 20, 11, and 11 verses respectively. The most detailed descriptions are in Ezekiel see Ezekiel chapter 1 and in Revelation chapter 4. I have attached below a link to a video by angelology artist Tim Gagnon where he does a great job of explaining the different types of cherubim and also drew their likeness. You can see the picture of that below on the pattyej.podbean.com site as well. There are different types of cherubim, and although it seemed like they were seeing the same cherubim, John and Ezekiel actually saw different kinds. In Ezekiel's vision, he sees a four-faced, angelic creature with a different face on each side, front, side, back, and the other side. Face of a man, face of a lion, an ox, and an eagle. With four wings covered on all sides, standing on top of a gyroscope-like wheel spinning inside another wheel, which is also covered in eyes. This is actually another spiritual being called Ophanim, which is also known as Thrones. Those two creatures move in unity according to the Spirit of God. And the Ophanim flash like diamonds with electrical power and move directly in one direction or the other, according to the faces they're moving, not diagonally. These two beings united guard the throne room of God. John encountered a different type of cherubim in his throne room experience. The Ophanim were not with this angel. There are four different types of this type of revelation, cherubim, Each one has only one face, but they have the different faces of a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. And they had six wings. They, too, are the defenders of God's throne and represent power, authority, will, and judgment of the Most High God. Let's talk now about the messenger angels. The word angel literally translates to messenger. Gabriel is the most well-known of all the angels dispatched to share really important messages as they related to God's plans. Daniel had several encounters with Gabriel in chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11 of Daniel. Gabriel was sent to help Daniel understand his visions about the upcoming Messiah and the end times of the world. Gabriel also shows up in the New Testament when he informs Zacharias that he and his wife will have a baby who would grow up to be John the Baptist. Then again, he shows up to inform Mary of God's plan for her to carry the Messiah into the world. Other angels are for war purposes, and they're considered warrior angels. Michael is known as an archangel or a prince. An archangel is a top-ranking warrior angel. He happens to be the archangel of Israel. Each nation has their own archangels. The Lord revealed to me that the archangel for the United States is liberty. Warrior angels fight against the enemy in unseen battles all the time. Michael is mentioned by name nine times in the Bible. In Revelation chapter 12, we learn of a war being waged in heaven with the dragon. Gabriel shares with Daniel about what Michael is doing to fight and rescue Israel and all those whose names are in the book. Daniel 12, 1 says, Now at the end time, Michael, the great angelic prince, who stands guard over the children of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress, such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book of life, will be rescued. Guardian angels are also known as watchers as they are assigned to each and every person to watch and care for their needs. Psalm 91:11 says, For he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. God is the God of order. There is a hierarchy related to the angels. Seraphim and cherubim serve the throne room of God, and so they are at the highest level. Archangels are over nations guardians, or over individuals. And there are levels in between, considered principalities and dominions, each with their own roles and levels of responsibility. Let's look at the nature and the character of good angels. Because angels dwell in the presence of the Lord, they reflect God's by his nature and his character. They express emotions like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Joy is the number one characteristic associated with angels in the Bible. Angels are spiritual beings that can look like anything they need to look like. They can often manifest and look like people. Sometimes they are seen with wings and other times they are not. Some can look like children and others can look like mighty giant warriors We have no idea how many angels were created because they are uncountable. In Psalm 68, it says that there were myriads and myriads of angels. The word myriad means innumerable, too many to count. So, what we do know is two-thirds of the myriads stayed with God, and the other one-third fell from grace. The ones that fell from grace are considered fallen angels or demons, we do not know when angels were created or the full story of the rebellion that was spearheaded by Lucifer, a high-ranking cherub angel that was supposed to be the most beautiful of angels. He was considered a prince, so likely he was an archangel. We know that pride was the culprit, though. Ezekiel 2812 to 17 says, Thus the Lord God said, You had the full measure of perfection, and the finishing touch of completeness, full wisdom and perfect beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise and the emerald, and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and your sockets was in you. They were prepared on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers and protects, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire, sparkling jewels. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness and evil were found in you. Through the abundance of your commerce, you were eternally filled with lawlessness and violence, and you sinned. Therefore I have cast you out as a profane and unholy thing from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud and arrogant because of your beauty. You destroyed your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I lay you before kings, that they may look at you. I asked the Lord how some angels became fallen angels and others stayed faithful. This was his response. All created angels were given free will. Some came down to earth and joined with women, creating the Nephilim, a race of superhuman giants. Genesis 6, 1-7 explains that. Now it happened, when men began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and desirable, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose and desired, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever, because he has indeed flesh, sinful, corrupt, given over to sensual appetites. Nevertheless, in his days shall yet be a hundred and twenty years. There were Nephilim, men of stature, notorious men on the earth those days. And so afterward, when the Son of God lived with the daughters of men and they gave birth to their children, these were the mighty men of old men of renown great reputation and fame the lord saw that the wickedness and depravity of man was great on the earth and that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually the lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth and he was deeply grieved in his heart so the lord said i will destroy annihilate mankind whom i have created from the surface of the earth Not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind's sin, and I regret that I have made them. The sons of God in this verse refer to the angels. So angels married women and had children, the Nephilim. They were the people that were talked about in ancient Greek mythology, selfish and powerful giants. They abandoned their heavenly dwelling place and came to the earth to steal and kill and destroy. Jude 1, to 6-7 says, And angels who did not keep their own designed place of power, but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he kept in eternal chains, under the thick gloom of utter darkness, for judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the adjacent cities, since they in the same way, as these angels indulged in gross immoral freedom and unnatural vice and sensual perversity, They are exhibited in plain sight as an example of undergoing the punishment of everlasting fire. There were other angels that had this heart posture. Because I live in timelessness and am omnipresent and omniscient, I knew which were rebellious and which were faithful. The rebellious were cast away from heaven and the faithful remain with me in heaven. All are under my authority. Satan and his demons only have the authority to tempt people by virtue of free will decisions of mankind. They are not more powerful than me. The end of their story is already written. See Revelation 12, 7 to 17. Now let's spend the rest of our time looking at the ministry of angels as it relates to us. I had the privilege of attending a presentation by Dr. Charity verkler kai where she summarized 15 things that angels do for us. She had researched the 365 scriptures referencing angels in the Bible for her book, Everyday Angels, that she co-wrote with Joe Brock. And her presentation shared this list in scripture context. In my own research, I found a few more. So we're going to look at each thing, what they do, with a context story and just one scripture reference for you to look up on your own. The first thing they do is worship and praise the Lord. You can see these in any of the throne room scenes experienced by Isaiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, Daniel, and John. One reference is Isaiah 6.3. The second thing they do is guard us. And the Psalms are filled with opportunities to learn about stories where angels have guarded people, especially David. One example is Psalm 91, 11 and 12. The third is that angels have been used to deliver prophetic promises, such as when Zacharias and Elizabeth were told they were going to have a baby. That is referenced in Luke 1.13. Number four, they enlighten us. Daniel's heaven and end times revelation visions are explained by an angel. Zechariah 1, nine. Number five, they provide heavenly resources. In one Kings nineteen five and eight, we see that angels fed Elijah in the wilderness when he fled from Jezebel. Number six, they partner with us. Philip was directed by an angel when ministering to an Ethiopian man, leading him to salvation and baptism, and then he was transported to another city. The story's in Acts eight twenty six to forty. Number seven. They communicate revelation. John's revelation was given to him by an angel. This is referenced in Revelation 1.1. Number eight, they rescue us. There are many examples of this, but the recounting of Joseph's saving the people from famine and Peter's walking out of prison are two examples of this. The Peter example is found in Acts 7.10. Number nine, they bring healing from God. In John 5, 4, we learned that an angel would stir the waters of the healing pool of Bethesda every day so people could step into the water and receive miraculous healing. Number 10, they strengthen us. Jesus was strengthened at Gethsemane before he was sent away to the cross. Luke twenty two forty three. Number 11, they fight for us. Gideon's battle with the Midianites was won by the angels. The Lord gave me some special insight into this one, understanding that spiritual warfare is not against the people of this world, but against the principalities of the dark forces. The Lord taught me to pray for warrior angels to fight against demons that are menacing with people for whom I'm praying for healing or deliverance. This keeps them busy and gives the person a break from the demons long enough for the Lord to break through and address the healing issues and break contracts. Then demons can be cast away. This was really helpful to remember for when you're praying for your own healing or when you're feeling or experiencing great levels of spiritual warfare. Ask for warrior angels to fight against the demons who are menacing with you. Number 12. They warn us. The Magi were warned by an angel to not go back the same way they came. The story is in Matthew 2.13. They instruct us. Gabriel helped Daniel understand what to do about the vision he received. In Daniel 9.21-23. 13. They assist in relationships. An angel was dispatched to help find a bride for Isaac. In Genesis 24, 7. Number 15, they surround us with protection. The angels shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel in the lion's den. In Daniel six twenty two Number 16, they explain God's ways. It was an angel that explained to Mary what God was going to do through her when she would give birth to the Messiah. In Luke 1, 34-38. Number 17, they encourage and comfort us. After a shipwreck, Paul was encouraged by an angel that God would ensure his purposes when an angel told him that there would be property damage but no loss of life and that nothing would stop his appointment in Rome. Acts twenty-seven twenty-two to 25. And finally, number 18, they can hide you from danger. In Psalm thirty-one twenty. David is hidden from his enemies by an angel. Most recently, Robbie Dawkins shared a story of being in Afghanistan on a mission to rescue the Americans left behind there. And the consequence of trying to save those Christians who were left behind would have been certain execution. And he testified that they walked right by the people who were looking for them while he was preaching on the street, they look right past him as though he wasn't even there. And he believes that the uh, angels were hiding him so that the enemy could not see him and what he was doing. And he was able to bring back those people and come back to the United States safely. I wanted to share my own angel story, and I actually have many, but this is a, a profound one. The story of my salvation and the love letter the Lord sent me has been shared in the God's Love and Your Calling episode of this podcast, and has been thoroughly shared in my Clips That Move Mountains second edition book. But I wanted to share more information here about the angel part of the story. After three months of personal discipleship with Maureen, who had led me to Christ, she mysteriously disappeared from my life. I had always wondered if she was an angel, And about five years ago, it was confirmed that she is my guardian angel. When I was in college, I had a boyfriend who was a Christian, and I wasn't a Christian yet, but he was everything to me. I had attended a campus leadership retreat, and Maureen was assigned as my roommate for the weekend. We talked about God and his free gift of salvation, and in the wee hours of the morning, I accepted Christ. When I got back from the weekend, I was excited to share my decision with my boyfriend. He had news for me too. He told me that he had felt that the Lord wanted him to break up with me, and he didn't know why, but felt strongly that he needed to do it, and I was devastated. I immediately called Maureen, and she told me she was expecting my call. God had told her that Fred was going to break up with me, and she had a love letter for me from the Lord. It was a letter from God about how he needed to be my first love, and it was exactly what I needed. So like I said, she worked with me for about three months discipling me and teaching me about the Bible. Just when I was feeling better, I called Maureen on the same number that I had been calling her for months and a strange guy answered the phone. He said they didn't know who Maureen was, but he had had that number all year. I was confused. I searched for her contact information at the university registration office and could find no record of her. It seemed like she didn't exist. Had God used an angel to lead me to Christ? I had always thought so. Hebrews 13.2 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done so have entertained angels without even realizing it. For more on the love letter, you'd have to listen to the episode on God's love and your calling. Fast forward to when I discovered Maureen was my angel. I was working on a deliverance class called Prayers That Heal the Heart for my doctorate. I had some work to do to heal some heart wounds. I met Jesus in my special place, and he and I walked up to the Sea of Galilee. Then we laid on the ground and were looking and laughing at the clouds. Jesus thought that one looked like an elephant, and I thought it looked like a duck. I was thinking about my assignment to heal from memories by going back to a scene and allowing Jesus to reframe the circumstance and show people the truth they didn't see before about it. He must have known I was thinking about that because he said, you can ask me to show you anything that you want to know about. And I said, Lord, as painful as it is, Take me back to my heartbreak in 1979. Please show me where you were then, as Maureen and I were talking and you gave me the love letter. Immediately I was back in 1979, watching the scene as if Scrooge, there but not really there. I saw myself crying face down on my bed in my dorm room. I looked around and could see with great detail, remembering what that room looked like. Then I saw Jesus lying next to me as I sobbed, and he was whispering in my ear. I walked over closer so I could hear what he was saying to me. He was speaking word for word that love letter that I received. And at that same moment, I saw the words being typed in the upper right corner of my mind's eye. As Jesus spoke the words, they were appearing on paper in heaven. Then I saw Jesus give the paper to Maureen. Then the Lord gave me short vignette glimpses of Maureen and I, as she gave me the letter and us studying the word together. I saw myself trying to call her, and Jesus was standing next to me when I was talking to the guys who answered the phone. I was confused as they said they had that number all school year. As I heard myself talking to the guys on the phone, Jesus was whispering in my ear, you don't need her anymore, you have me now. He was repeating that in my ear over and over And I saw myself hang up the phone and lost confusion. The observing me said, Wow, Lord, that really helps me understand the situation so much more. You were with me the entire time. Please show me Maureen now so I can thank her for what she did for me. Suddenly we were back in the secret place, still lying on the grass. We sat up on the hill and he pointed to the Sea of Galilee. And I saw Maureen walking up the hill to greet us. She was dressed in a Roman dress with a breastplate of armor and had long, dark, flowing hair. She looked a bit like I remember her, but she didn't have glasses, and she still looked young. She hugged me, and I hugged her, and I could feel her wings, soft, strong, and powerful. She had a meekness about her. Strength under control. Then the Lord gave me short images of Maureen with me as a child, sitting on my bed as I was crying because I could hear my parents fighting, or another where she was sitting and laughing as my sibs and I were hanging our feet off the back of our powder blue station wagon at a drive in movie. And I saw her with Jesus when He gave her the letter and the assignment to share it with me. Just like me. She's been with you all along, Jesus said. She is your guardian angel. I thanked them both and I cried. It was an overwhelming vision. Thank you, Lord. Maureen and I have had many adventures since then, not the least of which was experience what the shepherd saw on the night of Jesus' birth. On Wednesday, December 22nd, I plan to release a podcast episode where you will be able to experience that one too. Ask, seek, and knock because Jesus wants you to have this experience just like we did. Let's talk now about your authority related to angels. Christ became higher than the angels as part of the Godhead. Then, for a while, he became a man. Mankind is created lower than the angels. And when Jesus took on human form, he was 100% man. That means he chose to lay aside his deity and live as a human 100% tuned to the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, by taking on the limitations of humanity, crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death so that by the grace of God extended to sinners, he might experience death for the sins of everyone. Jesus was restored to his former glory when he resurrected. All are subject to the authority of Christ. Our union with Christ positions us as co-heirs with Christ, raising us higher than the angels, exercising the power and authority we have in this union is part of our great inheritance. Ephesians 1, 18 to 20, in the Passion Translation says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church, God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others." I asked Jesus to help us understand our authority as we can operate with the ministry of angels. And he said, angels are an extension of me and they exercise my will. In this way, they are just like you when you obey me and my voice and minister to others. I love working through others. I'm always with you and your angels are always with you. When you are daydreaming while you're driving, for example, and then suddenly you're aware that you need to break for a traffic light you can thank your angel that got your attention remember when you were at the jesus 18 conference and you saw the darting lights on the ceiling during the worship session those were my angels praying and praising along with you angels are always around you they are super fun too they are the most joyful of all my creations this is because of their constant proximity to me whatever you ask or need ask me to involve angels and see what happens. The more you are aware of the spiritual realm, the more you can see and experience the blessings of angels. They are never to be worshiped and they are not to be taken advantage of like personal genies. They are created to aid and fulfill my will for you. Never abuse the privilege of having them by your side. Honor them as a gift from me to help you. Angels love to be needed. Increase your sensitivity to the spirit realm, and you will be able to see them more. You have asked to see Maureen, and I have shown her to you many times now that you have met her. Make sure you thank the angels when you are aware that they have helped you with something, and ask for an increase of that awareness. Everything on the list that angels do you can ask me to have them do for you. Remember this and cooperate with their ministry on your behalf. This delights them and it delights me. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbe.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journal, journals and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com/shop and remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything even the stuff already on sale and remember they make great gifts too thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast in today's encounter you're going to ask the lord 3 separate questions related to your angels If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus's presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. The goal of today's encounter is for you to understand how angels have helped you and how you can cooperate with them in the future. So after you've spent a little bit of time with the Lord in your special place, enjoying his presence and playing with him for a while, you're going to ask him the first question, which is, show me a specific time in my life where angels helped me and I was unaware. The second thing you'll ask him, if you haven't already met your guardian angel, Ask the Lord to introduce you to your guardian angel or angels. And then with you and Jesus and your angel or angels, ask them, how can you more cooperate and fully support them in their service to helping you? See what the Lord and the angels have to say about that. Take all the time you need and make sure you record the whole thing in your journal. I hope you learned something today about how to cooperate with your angel. And over time, the Lord will help you see in the spirit more and more so you can thank God and your angel for what they do for you every day. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.